and welcome to Alvarado Unmatched, the podcast that's all about Mac football and not Mac football. I'm Alex Alvarado. Thanks for joining today. Today, if you're listening to the day it comes out, it's Sunday, April 18th. 137 days left until kickoff, if you can believe that. And Scott, my buddy Scott's going to be helping us produce this show, uh, helping me stay organized keep ideas going for other projects and other series that I have moving forward in this podcast. Uh, Scott, how are you today? I'm doing good. Thanks, Alex. Uh, Scott, I gave you the title of producer, right? But what's your what's your off-field role when it comes to me? Is it best friend? Is it part-time friend? Is it person I annoy with text messages after cutoff? Uh, I'd say it's all the above. Sometimes it needs to be demoted back to part-time because the best friend gets a little too much. So uh, what's the, what's, what's the, you know what? I was going to ask you what's the most too much I've been as a best friend with you, but like the window's wide open. I've known you since what? Uh, first grade. Yeah. Little kid. First grade. Jesus Christ, man. I mean, it's probably to be nice. I'm just going to say it was probably sometime in first grade that I can't remember that you were yeah. obviously too much that that makes a lot of sense i think i was i think i got to be like the too much thing like in middle school though because like we would we like you and i admittedly were not the closest friends until like late middle school and then even then like probably not until like high school yeah i think once we picked up playing baseball together got a little yeah. closer and then drifted back apart and then college brought us slamming back together yeah yeah it was funny like like I, I sometimes I still think about like how you and I even became roommates again. Where like we just saw each other like on the uh, like it was funny. It was like it was like Tinder for roommates basically. Yeah. That Eastern. Oh my going. god, it was. <laughs> it was Tinder for roommates. And like we must have felt like saw the email at the same time, filled out at the same time, and saw like each other's thing. Like, hey, Scott's going to Eastern. That's weird. It was <laughs> pretty exciting. I was like, oh my god, I know someone that's going to the same college as. Because because people don't know this, we saw each other in high school, but then you moved away, and then um, yeah, then like we reconnected after that. But uh, still, like you know, I'm glad that you know our friendship could keep going, and so much so that you know, not only did it just stop, like it wasn't just a baseball thing, obviously, but now I sucked you into this Mac football podcast. And yes, you- <laughs> I don't. I, I actually don't know how you feel about this. I'm going to be honest. I'm excited. I I I enjoy just football in general and I'd like to talk about it and like with my job it's fun to like bring it into a new I guess I don't know a new form of entertainment mm-hmm. rather than your old form of entertainment as you said yeah, which is just me sitting by myself watching football so this is a fun yeah, who's being entertained here apple butter, cat? About it. <laughs> apple butter yeah. look at this catch look at that catch but Scott, thank you for, uh, you know, for helping me on this, because uh, I know, you know, you'd be rooting for me otherwise if I didn't ask you to join. So I decided, sure. you know what, let's let's reel you in, you know, let's let's maximize thank you. this. And if you're actually going to root for me, let's uh, let's both make this a really good podcast or at least a really fun for both of us. Right. Yes. Fun for both of us, at least. And speaking of fun for both of us, uh, we're going to transition into the main topic of all of this. Thematically, we're going to talk about big guys, which neither of us really are. You're taller, but you're pretty slim. I'm chubby, but kind of short. Big guys that we both saw on the big screen was Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, We're going to talk about football in a little bit, but I do want to bring this movie up because it was a shit ton of fun to watch. And after you get your vaccination, like I did, like previous guest uh, Caleb Carter did, 
uh and like scott you have go see this in imax because there's nothing better than watching two of the biggest cgi creations on fight duke it out in hong kong on the where else do they fight at in the middle of the water yeah they were like going down to somewhere and they were in the middle of the ocean and so they fought on a bunch of bunch of battleships and cruisers and all that yeah only eight humans died in the whole thing though what was uh we talked about some of the plot holes though uh we're going to talk about a lot of the plot holes and like a lot of the the offensive linemen and defensive linemen across the mac in a little bit but in this movie alone like well like you and i kind of poked holes at this movie just like not because like we hated it or because like we're artistic douchebags or whatever yeah but it's just like fun it was just fun you know what was, yeah, was what were some of the holes like in this movie that even, even though you enjoyed it that kind of like stood out to you so my main one was they're trying to transport king kong down to antarctica so they decide we're going to put him on a big like ship and do it that <laughs> way but then obviously that doesn't work because godzilla comes and starts fighting with them yeah like so we're, then, we're, we're gonna go like on top of his homeland which is this big body of water <laughs> We're going to go where he lives. We're going to go right through his neighborhood. Yeah. So then that obviously doesn't work. And then one of the scientists guy has this great idea where they're just going to get a bunch of helicopters and fly him down Antarctica. And it's like, they could have just done that from the start. There was no need at all to go on the ships. They could have just flew him over Godzilla's territory and it would have been fine. That's what I meant to tell you. So that guy that we're, that we're talking about, Mr. Bright guy, uh, what place do you think he came in in the Joel McHale lookalike contest? Um, with Joel McHale in the contest as well? Yes. Okay, then he definitely beat Joel McHale because okay. he's a ringer. Right, so so Joel McHale is the Charlie Chaplin in this scenario then? Exactly, yes. Okay. That's what I was going for. <laughs> oh, my God. It was really fun watching uh, – watching, what was, what was Godzilla oop it to Kong, though. That was pretty good. I like the yeah, part the where Kong, was, was awesome. I like the part where Euro stepped on a couple buildings. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry if I'm spoiling this for any of you, but really, honestly, it doesn't really matter because the thing I can't spoil for you and the thing that I hated about it is that there was no winner. There was no winner in it. And I really thought like... Well, that like was, there was America won. That's, yeah, I didn't like that. I don't like That's that. America shouldn't win here. Like, You're right. It was like... The movie is called These Two Fight Each Other, and it ended with, hold on, these two need to, like, find some commonality and bring down the 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 big robot. And I didn't yeah, like it, that. I, I thought, like, there should have been, like, a final, like, bloodbath at the very end, and there just wasn't. So yeah. there's not going to be a winner at the end of this. Just and, America. Yeah. And much like uh, there's not going to be a winner at the end of this, might as well move into the matching part of this. King Kong, Godzilla, two big guys. I decided, you know what? Let's talk about big guys kind of duking it out from the Mac. Obviously, we're talking about the trenches, offensive linemen, defensive linemen. I kind of have a quick little ranking of uh, my five favorite or top five. I don't know. I don't really know how to say it. I guess top five favorite right now. Teams, position groups, offensive linemen, defensive linemen in the Mac. I'm going to go from the bottom up from these top fives. Uh, my top five offensive line groups in the MAC right now. I have Ohio at five, Ball State at four, Kent State at three, Western two, Buffalo is obviously one. Uh, most of these groups lose 
pretty much just one person, but across the board uh, of these five groups we're talking about, we're only talking about three total offensive linemen lost uh, starting wise, which is a pretty good, you know, pretty good place for all these to be in. Moving over to defensive line really quickly, though, so I can expand later. Uh, my top five defensive line from five to one go Miami, Toledo, Buffalo Central, and then Western is at number one. Western, I I thought Western was really, really good. They got beat a lot on like a per play average, but I don't think it was because of the fault of defensive lines. I thought defensive lines, like the defensive line play from Western was just incredibly good last year with Ralph Holly and Ali Fayad. And even like at times where Ali Fayad would, you know, be out with injury in game, he still had Western still saw production out of its other depth pieces that they didn't think that they would have otherwise. Uh, same with Buffalo too. When Malcolm Koontz was out, Taylor Riggins was out for the year. He comes back for 2021, but even then they still had other guys step up from their freshman and sophomore ranks. Buffalo did uh, to be really, really good. So I think it'd be fun to just say like five versus five, four versus four, three versus three, two versus two, one versus one. Um, Scott, maybe help me out with this, but who do we think would win out of these groups? So let's go five on five versus five and work our way up. Uh, Ohio's offensive line versus Miami's defensive line. Miami, you know, both these teams only played in half their schedules last year. So it's really, really, really hard to like get a true temperature check on what they were last year. We kind of have a lot. I'm kind of basing a lot of my knowledge on them from 2019 because, you know, that's that's where a lot of the team still comes from. Um, Miami, obviously, they were in the MAC championship game a couple of years ago. The biggest loss from that group in 2019 was, uh, oh, my God, I'm blanking on his name, Doug Costin, the nose tackle, who's now playing professionally in the NFL for a second year. Um, but still, they're really good. They have all, all MAC pieces coming back. Cam Butler was good. Dominique Robinson flipped from receiver to defensive end, and he's at like 250 still, man. You know, out of those two, who's going to win the battle of the bricks? You're asking me right now? Yeah, sure. Putting you on the spot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Ohio. I think when you give me offensive line versus defensive line, I'm going to always go towards offensive line, I think, just because that's just my thinking as an offensive-minded person. <laughs> yeah, and Ohio, they're, you know, they're pretty good still. Like, they lose their center, Brett Cottrell. You know, he's, he wasn't the best center. He's doesn't look like he has great odds of being drafted right now. Um, but he was a good senior leader. He has a brother that's still on the team playing defense. Ohio tends to do really well at just, just taking guys that are overlooked by a lot of schools and at least getting the most of them, maximizing their talents. And they always find a way to, like, if they're not getting guys to produce their freshman and sophomore years at O-line, they're doing well by their like third, fourth, even fifth years at Ohio. Um, so I would, I don't know, but I would still take Miami. I still like the way Miami plays its defense. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to see where they land in 2021. Uh, four on four, Ball State's O-line. Ball State's O-line versus Toledo's defensive line. Um, obviously, this is a game that came down pretty down to the wire last year was decided by only three points. Ball State returns everybody from its MAC championship run. Toledo returns pretty much everybody from its defensive line too. So uh, I expect when this game actually does happen, the trenches are going to matter a lot. 
Um, but if it came down to the trenches, who do you see winning the game? Well, I'm going to go against what I just said earlier, and I'm going to go defense on this one. I'm going to go Toledo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Deswan Johnson knows tackle for them. He had like eight and a half tackles for loss last year. The guy, the guy oh, just eight. Sorry, just eight. But still, he, yeah. I, I really, really love the way Toledo plays his defense. And the only reason why they're as low as four is because, you know, so many other teams just have so many other returners coming back too. But there's a lot of potential for Toledo to go from four to one here easily. Uh, three on three, we got Kent State where every offensive lineman returns for Dustin Crum to heave its bombs up at quarterback against Buffalo's defensive line. Uh, they're going to be missing Malcolm Kuntz, who was, you know, really good player the last couple of years. But they get Taylor Riggins back, who was an All-Mac first-teamer in 2019. He was out all 2020. I think he had like eight and a half tackles for loss. I'm saying that again, <laughs> eight and a half. I don't know why I'm sticking with that number, but I think it's true. And again, Buffalo had young producers at from its freshman and sophomore ranks last year, a little bit more experienced. You know, they're they're in a championship culture. Uh, who's winning this 3v3 battle? I'm going to go with offense again. You would take Kent State's offensive yes. line to win it? Yeah. Oh, yes. I was very impressed last year just with them in general. And mm-hmm. I'm at, they're returning everybody. I'm going to go with them. Yeah. Yeah. And they like, it wasn't, it's not even just the pass game, like I said with Crum. Like they did open up some holes for his young running backs too. Um, and so, and that's what I really do like to see. Like it wasn't just, like the freshman running backs, like they need a lot of help to produce at the college level. And the off, yeah, the experience at offensive line definitely paid off for them. Uh, getting closer to the top, our number two seeded offensive line, Western Michigan, they lose Jalen Moore. Uh, he was a second team all met guy. He's chasing his NFL dreams right now. Uh, has a chance to get drafted probably day three. Uh, they still have Mike Caliendo. They thought he, they were going to lose him. But yeah, like I said, you know, they return a lot of guys and Western generally just does have a good tradition of sending guys to the league to be drafted, be fringe draft picks. Some of them still make it like um, Chooks for Taylor Moten, you know, they're still doing good. Maybe Jalen Moore's next. Maybe someone after Jalen Moore is still starting for that Western offensive line. And in this scenario, they'd be taking on Central Michigan. They're losing Mo Diallo, who was a, a breakthrough first-team All-Mac uh, defensive lineman. But they have co-defensive MVP uh, Troy Harrison coming back, who, you know, even though Central's losing some pieces, Troy Harrison's – he could probably beat a whole offensive line by himself sometimes. That's hyperbole, but he's just really, really freakishly good. Um, but in this rivalry matchup, who do you have winning? Central. No explanation. Fellow Eastern grad over here. But there's like, there's no good answer for either of us right now. Um, no, I don't think so. It's, it's really hard to like mash offensive versus defensive lines together and like actually yeah. figure out until we get to one. And yeah. To- yeah. And like, like you and I, like we both went to Eastern spring game uh, yesterday and it's just, it's hard to just get a grasp of like where the team's at at literally any position uh, in the trenches, especially, it's just really hard to just notice the nuances of like who's doing better, who's getting worse, you know, that sort of thing. We can only see who's getting reps at this point. Right, for sure. And I think 
from what we saw, I would say the defensive line impressed me more than the offensive line for sure. There were some definitely some instances where Eastern went in the wildcat and like they were able to move the ball pretty well, but I was pretty impressed with the defensive more than the offensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like you're not supposed to like, like as a defensive player, you're not allowed to take anybody's head off either. So hard to get a read that for that reason too. For sure. Um, but yeah, Western versus Central. I, I don't know who I would take. It's nobody wins. I'm going to go with nobody wins. That's the theme of the show. Nobody wins at the end of this. Uh, just like one, Godzilla and King Kong, there's no right. real winner. Number one seeds, Buffalo, who has always done a really good job for itself. They've changed offenses, uh, you know, in the 2018 and 2020 runs. If you've heard me talk on Mac football forever or other mediums, you've heard me say that plenty of times. They lose KOD Awasoka, who was a multi-year starter, twice an All-Mac guy. Last year, he was a first-team All-American – or not first-team All-American – he was a FWAA All-American by the Football Writers of America, probably by PFF too. I don't know. He's done good for himself. The line itself returns four of its five starters. Western's defensive line is just, like I said, just really, really good. I love Ralph Holly. I love Ali Fayad. Uh, I, I love some of his bench players, like Andre Carter. Like, I wish he was on my team. You know, I'm, I, I was kind of upset that Eastern lost that recruiting battle. But... And this is a game, like, the, when these two have matched up, Lester and Leipold-led teams, you know, they've been really exciting matchups, like the the seven-overtime game. We all remember that. Um, these two teams, I think, should be contending for, you know, MAC championships as long as those guys are head coaches because they do so well at grooming their players up in the trenches. Both of their offensive lines and defensive line units are in my top five right now, you just heard. Um but for Buffalo's O-line to go up against Western's defensive line, who do you think would come out on top, Scott? Well, you really steered me towards Western when you kept saying their backups were good enough to start and other places. So I think you're steering me towards Western right now. It's, it's hard not to go against Western, really. It really is. Um, I think I would join you in, in picking Western. Like Western's defense, like I said, got picked apart a lot last year. Uh, you and I both saw it, obviously, with that Eastern game. But we also saw in that Eastern game, it wasn't because the defensive line was bad. It was because the secondary just just got picked apart too many times. And that was kind of the theme for a lot of, you know, a lot of bad drives for Western's defense. But if you looked up front, you know, they were very comfortable rushing three, rushing four repetitively because they knew that their defensive line could handle it. And I think if they had to go up against Buffalo, they would still rush three and rush four a lot of the time. I think I think that would do it, Scott. Thank you for thank you so much for uh, for helping me out, and thank you for making your your uh, your podcasting debut with me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. I, I'm glad to be here. We did kind of talk about like you know the series that you're going to be helping me with. One of them we're going to be talking about non MAC teams. Uh, I meant to ask you earlier, but I guess we're going to close out with this. You know, is there any non MAC team that we're going to be seeing this fall that you're excited for one way or another. Maybe it's because you're excited for, I'm going to use this since, you know, use this example because we talked about it earlier, like Cincinnati, like, would you be excited to see Cincinnati because they're going to play Miami in that rivalry game or because, you know, Cincinnati is going to be like that, the NY six favorite out of the group of five, you know, who is a non-MAC team that we're kind of excited to see? I mean, definitely Cincinnati. That's, you know, we're excited about that rivalry coming back together, but also like 
they got a chance to compete for the NY6 and who knows, maybe like the, the power of CFB gods will work the right way, right way. Maybe they could make the playoff. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely an exciting thing. I, I tend to like the power five teams a lot as well. So just anything in the big 10, I'm excited about excited to see like Texas A&M for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, that, yeah, that is actually going to be a little I bit interesting. Like, yeah. Like, 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 how do you see Texas A&M's like season kind of, I don't know, like, like what's your kind of preview of just looking forward to watching them play football? Not whether or not they're going to be good or bad, but. Well, I mean, whether or not they're going to be good. I mean, this is definitely like one of those years for Jimbo Fisher where he needs to like, he's been doing really good and keeping it like at a good level, but I think their fan base is definitely going to want to keep seeing those kind of results. So this is definitely one of those first initial test years for him where he's like had a couple of years, get everything under his belt. So I'm excited to see where they land at with that. Yeah. Cause like they feel like they're the, their numbers five or six seed in America yeah. right now, like perpetually. Cause that's how like, sure. a lot of the latter half of last year played. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, and unfortunately like outside of that core group of top teams, like that's where we're at with, a lot of teams, they're just right on the fringe, but I don't know if they're going to be able to make it to that top four. Uh, how many points do you think Kent State can put on them? That's really tough. That's not going to be over 20. They could, like, pull, like, one of those. You know how every once in a while a MAC team will play Ohio State, and like, they're like, well, they scored 17, even though they gave up 72. So, <laughs> yes, It could be one of those games where they give up 60 points, but – yeah, they scored 17, so that still makes you feel good about it, at least. Yeah, like, one of those blowouts, my favorite uh, guy that we brought up earlier, Doug Costin, when he, they played at uh, – when Miami played at Ohio State, I think Costin made a play in the backfield and just at midfield, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> like, sure, they got their asses kicked, but that's, like, the best gift oh, I've yeah. seen in a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's those little moments that make it. Uh, well – Speaking of little moments that make it, thank you for the little moment that you spent with me this morning to record this podcast. Um, And thank you for listening to us blibber blabber about uh, Godzilla versus King Kong, Mac offensive lineman versus Mac defensive lineman. And if you like this show, please follow and like and subscribe any way possible. If you really liked what you heard, check out the Patreon link in the description of the episode notes. And I will talk to you all again on Wednesday.